I don't know about you, I've been lost several times in my life. I had a friend who got lost, he wasn't even driving. He was walking out, he goes to Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle, he's about 15 years old, huge church, right? So he's walking out of church one day, he's following his family to their family car, gets in and is waiting for like the dad to finally drive away, and they weren't going anywhere, and finally he looks up and he was in the wrong car with three strangers, he followed the wrong family out of the church, and two weeks later did it with the same family, got in their car again, I'm pretty sure they have a restraining order at this point against this guy, but I remember when I was about 23 years old, I went on a hike with some friends who we went way up top this mountain and as we're up there one of my buddies who's like just a real adventurer he's like how about this what if on the way back down we don't use the compass right I mean we had very carefully marked where our cars were we knew exactly where to go if we were to follow the compass to get back but he said let's let's just try and just go with how we feel and so we kind of start going down the mountain and, and I immediately started just sort of trailing off to my left a bit and about five minutes into it, he's sort of like a mountain man, and so he kind of knew I was leading us astray. So he goes, Doug, why don't we check the compass? Just make sure we're headed the right way. And sure enough, I was taking us way too far to the left, but it felt so right. Like going that way felt so right. Like just, that's where the cars are. And he takes out his compass. He says, no, that's where the cars are. And I was like, there's absolutely no way. If we go that way, bro, we're going to have to walk halfway around a mountain by the time we get to the bottom because we're going to be so far off course. He goes, Doug, trust the compass. As we go down this mountain, it's going to take us right back to where our cars are. And he was absolutely right. We walked down, there were the cars, perfect, right? And I think what's going on in our culture right now is we're more and more ignoring the compass. We're more and more being kind of pulled away from the compass. The world around us is ignoring the compass. Sometimes we in our lives start to ignore the compass. What is the compass? It's, it's God's word. It's scripture, right? It's, it's God saying, hey, here I am. I put everything on this planet. I've created you. I love you. I've done all these incredible things for you. Let me write down for you how to navigate life. Here is my word. Here's what you can follow so that you can prosper and you can do well and you can navigate all of life and relationships and all the ups and downs and all the different things going on in our lives. And so, so here it is, right? And now in our world, I think more and more we're struggling with keeping our eyes on that compass, more and more, we're, we're kind of just saying, yeah, but maybe the compass says to go down that side of the mountain, but I kind of feel like going this way. I kind of feel like this, this feels right. No, 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 Doug, I'm going to push the compass away. I'm just going to go my own way now, right? I mean, isn't that more and more kind of what the world seems like it's doing? And maybe even more and more as you kind of hang out, it sort of feels like that's the direction you're being pulled in as well. And I think there's sort of a lot going on right now, and, and I think about being up on the top of that mountain, and that compass was what? It was truth. It was absolute. It was concrete. It was not subjective, right? It wasn't like it was right for me to go in one direction and my buddy with the compass to go in another. No, the compass was the absolute and it was the truth. But the truth is under fire these days, isn't it? And just to encourage you, the truth being under fire, that's been around a long time. When Jesus was standing on trial, Pilate said to him, what's truth? I mean, what is truth even, really? You know, so thousands of years ago, truth was already under fire. But in our culture and in our world, in this time, in this climate, the truth is under fire. A few weeks ago, I was at a friend's house, Nick and Maria Shiano. Some of you guys know them. They have this adorable little daughter who's about four or five years old named Hannah. And my family was over their house for about an hour. I still hadn't seen Hannah. She was like in a back room playing with her, her friends or her cousins or something, and she just hadn't seen me yet. And so I walked into, into the kitchen to grab a drink, and she comes out and she goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I, my parents invited me and my whole family's here. And I said, Kate's here, Bryn's here, Landon's here, Kelly's here. And she just looks at me and she goes, you're not true. 
I was like, what? I'm not true? Really? And so I, I said, Hannah, come here. I picked her up. I, I, I showed her through the window. There's my family. She's like, nope. <laughs> like, she just, I was, I'm not true. So what am I going to do, right? And I think in our world right now, people are looking around going, nah, there, there's no truth. This isn't truth. There's no absolutes. There's no concrete. It's just sort of do what feels good. Go down the mountain any way you want. And I think people are asking some, some pretty big questions right now. Why can't we all just seem, do what seems best to us, right? Why do there have to be absolutes? Why can't it just be, I feel like this way and you feel like that way, so I'll just do what I like and you do what you like? Well, why do there have to be absolutes? I don't know if you heard about this, but this past week in a Planet Fitness in uh, New Hampshire, a man walked in, stripped naked, and began working out. Okay? Yeah, we don't need that image, right? <laughs> began working out. And the police show up and they arrest him. They start talking to him like, what are you doing, man? And this, these were his words. He says, I thought this was a no-judgment zone. Which, if you know Planet Fitness, that's their catchphrase, right? I think they need a new one, all right? But, hey, man, if this guy feels like doing that, then, then why is that wrong, right? I mean, if, if, he, if it was okay for him, then, right, this is the way the world's thinking right now. If, I, if, I, if I'm okay with it, then yeah, I don't really care if you're okay with it. I'm just going to do what I'm okay with, and that's okay for me, right? Why do there have to be absolutes? Why does God get to tell us right and wrong? Can't we just sort of figure it all out for ourselves? Can't we just do what feels good and right for us, right? Can't right and wrong be subjective? Does it have to be objective? Can I do what's right in my own eyes? And why do I need a compass? And so today we're going to look at a story in Scripture that's really intense. And I've been warning, warning you guys about this for a few weeks now, that we're going to get pretty intense and, and, and somewhat actually graphic here tonight in the story that we're going to find in Scripture today. But we're going to see what happens when everybody just does what's right in their own eyes, because that's more and more what our culture is turning into. If this story is so graphic, I'm actually going to edit a little bit out. I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to sort of kind of summarize a few things here. But sometimes when we look at a story like this in the Bible, um, we, we go, well, what's going on with this story? Why is this story in the Bible? Why would God promote this sort of action? And, and sometimes we trip over it like if it's in the Bible, then God must be okay with it, right? But what I need you to realize tonight is that sometimes the writers of Scripture wrote what they did not promote. They wrote what they did not promote. In other words, they put something in the Bible not to promote it and say, do this. They put it in there to say, don't do this, right? None of you woke up this morning, jumped on to Google or wherever you read your news, and, and saw a story about a murder that took place this past week. None of you read that story and thought, I think the guy who covered this story and wrote this article is promoting murder, right? Nobody thought that because we know he's writing what happened. He's not promoting what happened. And in the story we're going to look at tonight, sometimes people trip over stuff like this because like, this is why I don't like the Bible. Why is this in here? Well, it's in here so we learn from it. So we learn not to do it, not to be like it. God is not promoting what's in this story here tonight. If you're a middle schooler, high schooler, college student, young adult, man, I, I really hope you'll listen in tonight. Because like, here's what I got to tell you guys. The world has an agenda for your life and they're not quiet about it. It's everywhere. Social media and every movie we watch and TV. And I'm not like all anti all that. I enjoy some of that stuff. But man, it is everywhere. Everybody says, take your eye off the compass. Do what feels right. Do what feels good. God's so old school rules and tradition. And oh man, that's just, who even cares anymore? Who's going to pay attention to that stuff anymore, right? They so badly want us to take our eyes off the compass. So sit up and, and listen in tonight. And if you're older than that here tonight, I hope you will sit up and listen in as well because we live in the same world. And not only is this matter for you and me, but if you're a little bit older here tonight, man, you may be raising kids in this world. 
You may be raising grandkids in this world. And so this matters for every single one of us here in the room tonight. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, at the very end, we're going to talk about this incredibly gracious way that God has acted toward you and me. And so here's what I would ask of you, okay? This is an intense message. It's a, an intense one. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to stick it out, okay? If I say something or, or something in Scripture, you look at it, you go, man, what is that all about? I don't, I don't like that. Why is that in there? I'm, I'm, I'm just out of here tonight. Can I just encourage you to, to stay in this room tonight and hear the whole thing, okay? So I'm asking you to stick it out here tonight because if you leave halfway through, you'll miss the most important part. I mentioned for a few weeks now that we're not streaming our services here today. And there's a few reasons why. Uh, number one is because of the mature content. I didn't just want some kid like looking for Pokemon, stumbling across our, our feed and finding this. Uh, number two, because often with a stream, some people sit, they're on their couch, and they sit for an hour and 15 minutes and watch our whole service, and that's great. But often, people kind of channel surf, right? They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're watching TV, and they, oh, what Doug say? Okay, cool, I got those little two minutes, and then they tune out. And, and I want everybody to make sure we hear this whole thing. And thirdly, I don't want this to just be a monologue. See, on a stream, I preach a message, and you click off, and then you go about your day. And I realize that what we're going to talk about tonight might need to be followed up with some conversation. And so I would rather you be able to pull me aside tonight in person after the service and say, Doug, i got to tell you, man, I didn't get that. I didn't like that. What is that all about? How does this work in my life in this day and age? And so that's why we're not streaming our services here Today. So what we're going to do is look at the second most shocking story in all the Bible. And when we catch up with the nation of Israel, they're in bad shape. This thousands of years ago, in really bad shape, really far from God, taking their eyes off the compass. And here's what it says in Judges 17, verse 6. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Guys, that is our culture more and more, no? Just everybody do what's right in your own eyes. There is no truth. Everything's subjective. There is no concrete Everybody just do what's right in their own eyes. And I want you to see how dangerous this is. A few chapters later in Judges 19, there's a really powerful story. And I'm going to kind of summarize some of it, and we're going to read some of it together up on the screens. But let me get it started like this. There's a, a man who was known as a Levite, and I'll explain in just a minute what that's all about. But he was traveling with his concubine. What's a concubine? A concubine is basically a woman that a man keeps around in the same house to basically sleep with. Okay, this man would usually have a wife, and this woman would have a lower status than his wife. And so this Levite is traveling with his concubine. Now, the reason that's a problem is because a Levite was someone who was supposed to be set apart for God. A Levite was somebody who was not supposed to be messing around on the side, was not supposed to have someone like a concubine. Should have been faithful to his wife, faithful to God, right? And so right off the bat, you see somebody compromising. You see somebody just going along with the flow and just doing what kind of seems right in their own eyes. And so... This Levite and his concubine are, are traveling from her dad's house, and they run into a man in a place called Gibeah who's working out in a field, and he's kind to them. He says, hey, uh, can I give you guys somewhere to stay tonight? And they say, sure, we, we would love that. Thank you. And so he brings them into the house, and, and while they're in the house that night, suddenly the men of the city come, and they, they knock on the door, and, and they start beating on the door, and they start yelling, send the man out. Send this visiting man out. We want to sleep with him. And Immediately, the owner of the house says, um, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'll send out my daughter, and I'll send out this man's concubine. And the men outside said, no, 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 we, we want the man to come out. And, and the Levite, now it's kind of on him, and so he starts freaking out, and he sends his concubine out to these men. And to kind of summarize and leave some stuff out, they do some horrible things to her, and she comes back to the door of the house and falls down. And when the Levite opens the door to get her, she's dead. 
And he's furious. He's enraged that this would happen. Are you seeing what happens when everybody just kind of does what's right in their own eyes? Think about it. The Levite says, you know, I'm supposed to be a man of God and do what God wants me to do, but I kind of feel like I want a concubine. I, I want this woman. And, and then the men from Gibeah say, well, you know, I, we just sort of want to you know, sleep with this man, so what's the problem? And then the Levite says, well, I didn't want to do that, so what's wrong with sending my concubine out? She's you know, basically worthless to me anyway. And then the men of Gibeah would say, well, we wanted the man, but he didn't come out. We got the woman, and we just sort of wanted to mess with her, and we had our way with her, and she dies, she dies. What, what's wrong with that? See, that's what happens when everybody just starts doing what's right in their own eyes, when there's no truth, when there's no objective, when there's no concrete anymore, when there's no compass to lead us down the right way. Suddenly, things get really ugly, really, really quickly. Think about it. This is lust unchecked. This is sensuality without a compass. This is selfishness to horrific levels. Unfortunately, the story is just kind of getting going. The Levite, furious, gets the word out to the nations, all the tribes in his nation, what has happened to his concubine. And I'm actually not going to share how he got it out because it's just so super graphic. But he gets this message out to all the tribes of Israel and says, do you know what the men of Gibeah did to my concubine? And here we kind of catch up and we can read this together. This is their response in Judges 19 verse 30. It says, and all who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. They say, consider it, take counsel and speak. They are shaken. They're going, how did this happen? How could things have gotten to this, this level? And so they, they want to do something about it. And so they get all the tribes together, and they ask the question, how did this happen? In Judges 20, verse 4, it says, And the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin. I am my concubine to spend the night. And the leaders of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house against me by night. They meant to kill me, and they violated my concubine, and she is dead. And so the Israel, Israelites, they, they gather all their troops and they go to, to Gibeah. And Gibeah was in a place called Benjamin. And so they gather all the troops to kind of get these men, to, to bring them to justice. And they, they bang on the door of the tribe of Benjamin. They're like, yo, this is what happened. Send these men out. They need to be held accountable for what they did. And Benjamin says, no, we're not going to give them up. And so they go to war. And it's a horrific war. And in several days, tens of thousands are dead. And all the towns in Benjamin are burned. And you're going, man, Doug, thank you for an encouraging message to lift my soul like this. See, why does this bother us? Why is this so uncomfortable? Because everyone is ignoring the compass. Everyone's just doing right in their own eyes. And so now we're up to anger unchecked and violence with no compass. And this is why the truth matters, guys. This is why we need a compass. You see, the reality, guys, is that God's voice needs to be louder than our own. And what many of us maybe have done or are tempted to do is make ourselves the compass. Make our own way the compass. Make our friend group the compass. Make the people around us that we're comfortable with the compass. But God's voice has to be louder than all of that in our lives. Unfortunately, the story continues on. The Israelites, after they've burned Gibeah and Benjamin and this whole tribe, they, they start to think, you know, we're starting to feel a little bit bad about what happened. We're starting to feel a little bit bad about the way things went down. And so here's what they do. Instead of humbling themselves before God and saying, God, this is a mess. What have we done? Instead of saying, God, how would you have us respond? God, what's your heart? God, we've got our eyes back on the compass here. Instead of that, they decide, well, you know what? 
When we went to war against the tribe of Benjamin, there was this one section of people that didn't come with us. And that was wrong that they didn't come with us and join the battle. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and murder all those men and women that are not virgins in that area and then take the virgins and give them to the men of Gibeah. And that's what they do. But when they do that, they realize they don't have enough. And so they go to another place called Shiloh and they take all of the virgins from there and give them to the men of Gibeah. Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. We've got murder. We've got forced marriage. We've got horrible violence. We've got kidnapping. We've got uh, treating women like pieces of meat. This is what happens when everybody does what's right in their own eyes. In fact, that's how the book of Judges closes. Judges 21 verse 5. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Why does this bother us so much? Because they ignored the voice of reason and good. They avoided At all consequences, the voice of God speaking into their lives. And you know what, guys? Man, I just just pray we can get this tonight. The truth is, if you start to look through history, do you know what you begin to discover and find? Is that cultures that abandon God tear themselves apart. That's just the truth. Begin to study, you know, work through history. Work your way through. It doesn't even have to be through the Bible. Just begin to study secular history. You'll find cultures that abandon God soon tear themselves apart. They just, without a compass, without a moral compass and absolutes and truth, without anything to sink our teeth into, we will tear ourselves apart. And that's why we need a compass. And, And the amazing thing about this is who our compass is. God has set all this up. He's our savior, our healer, our creator. He's the designer. And he knows how this is all supposed to work. And so when I say, hey, let's get our eyes back on the compass. Let's get our eyes back on God's word. Well, man, then we're getting our eyes back in the best possible place because who better to help us navigate life than the one who gave it to us, right? And so when you and I are tempted to to ignore the compass, ignore God's word, and and as we're going through life and something comes up and we have a big decision or or, or we're trying to figure out, you know, is this pleasing to God or is it not? Like, we can't decide that for ourselves. We have to get back to the word and say, okay, this is what God says about this. I'm not worried about what I say about it, what my neighbor says about it, what my friends say about it. What does God say about it? He is the answer. You might say, but Doug, we're not really here yet. I mean, as a culture, like we're not really here yet. We're not, thankfully, but we're closer than we were 30 years ago, closer than we were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. And more and more, we're told, take your eye off the compass, do things your way. God, man, what? talk about an antique, talk about ancient, talk about irrelevant, talk about intolerant. Who pays attention to God anymore? And here, we see what happens. When we ignore God, we tear ourselves apart. The compass is so important. God's word is so important because it tells us we have to be careful of. And in scripture, God shows us the things we're supposed to avoid and the things we're supposed to aim at. And the important reason is why. Why does God do this? And some people think it's just we want, you know, God wants to ruin all of our fun. God wants to destroy life. He wants to take from us. And the reality is God wants to protect and preserve our life. As a dad, man, if one of my kids started to do something that I thought could kill them, then I would be on top of that, man, you know? Like, I get home tonight and land in my nine-year-old's up on my roof, like, there's going to be a conversation, you know? Like, unless I'm up there with him, which has happened, but, but, you know, on his own, he's not allowed on the roof because if he falls off, he will die. And I love him enough to tell him the truth. So, yeah, Dad, this old dinosaur, I'm so intolerant, I have all these rules. Yeah, because I want my son to live, right? I want to preserve and protect him. And that's exactly what God has for you and me as well. 
And so in Galatians chapter 5, he says this. Hey, here's the stuff to avoid. You guys, don't go down this side of the mountain, man. That's going to lead to death. Go down this side of the mountain here. Galatians 5, he says in, uh, in verse 19, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, hey, this is all going to lead to death. Now, i got to encourage you with something because some of us are freaking out. We're like, but Doug, I struggle with some of the stuff on that list. Like, I did some of the stuff on this list. Yeah, welcome to the party. Every one of us did something on this list this week, right? Does that mean we don't inherit the kingdom of God? No, here's what that means. You see, it's one thing to struggle. It's another thing to accept it, all right? We are all going to struggle till the day that we die, right? But it's another thing when we say, you know what? I don't need the compass anymore, and I'm just going to be okay with the things on this list. That's when we're in trouble. And so Paul says, hey, this is the stuff to avoid. This is the stuff that God graciously and lovingly as the creator and maker says, that's going to kill you. Stay away from it. But he doesn't just tell us what to stay away from. He also says, hey, here's what to aim at. And the very next verse says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, what does that mean? It means the stuff God creates in us, the stuff when we're close to God and we keep our eye on the compass, the stuff he creates in us is stuff like this, love and peace and forbearance. I'm sorry, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things God wants us to aim at. And guys, you know what? I love that that verse says up there on the screen. It doesn't say, but the fruit of Doug is. Right? It doesn't say the fruit of Joey is. The fruit of Leslie is. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit that God produces in me will be those things as I stay close to him, as I stay near to him, as I say, you know what, God? I'm going to go down the mountain your way and not my own. And the way I try to always encourage you guys with this is, is that, yeah, we're involved in the process, but God does the heavy lifting. I was talking with this guy, Robert, a few weeks ago. He's just jacked, and I am clearly not. And so we were talking about doing life God's way. And I said, Robert, imagine you and me are hanging out in the gym, right? And I'm trying to bench press, like, all this weight. And you can see I'm struggling, and I can't lift it up, but you're spotting me. Robert, who's going to lift the weight? Robert's going to lift it, right? I'll have my hands on the bars. I'll, you know, I'll be groaning, and like, I'll like have you know, veins popping out all my bald head, and I'll be like doing everything I possibly can. But Robert's going to be ultimately lifting the weight. And that's what we're talking about here. When we begin to say, God, I'm going to look to the compass, and I can't do all this stuff myself. I'll mess this up, God, but I will aim at it. And if you'll empower me, if you'll do the heavy lifting, I'll put my hands on the bar. And so God, help me to do things your way. In Scripture, he, Paul brings out some more things. And before we get to even the next list, I want to say that, unfortunately, some Christians and some churches have taken certain things that are on these lists and elevated them above other things. Some people have looked at, at things on these lists and said, you know, this is a worse thing than this thing. And some people have said, you know what, this is a reason for us to hate so-and-so or, or exclude so-and-so. And I want to be loud and clear, that's, that's not what Christians are called to do. And that's not what the church is called to do. And so as we read through this next list, Paul brings up some more things. He says, hey, don't go down that side of the mountain. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And guys, every single one of us has struggled with something on that list this week. And what God is trying to help us do is say, keep your eye on me. Keep your eye on my word. Stay near me. Let me do the heavy lifting in your life. Let me help you navigate all those things that are here on this list that I don't have for you. I don't have for you to go down that, those roads. I have something so much 
better for you. And so why do I bring these things up tonight? So we can line our lives back up with the compass. And this is really important. I hope you're not sitting here tonight going, oh man, I hope so-and-so was here at the 1130 because they really need to hear this message because, man, their lives are so out of line with God's word. No, how do you and I need to realign our own hearts with the compass tonight? How do we need to say, all right, God, I think I've been off here, man. I think I've been doing some things I shouldn't be doing right now. And God, I gotta line my heart back up with you and ask you to do the heavy lifting. I need you to forgive me, God. I need you to rescue me out of this pit that I found myself in. Some of you guys, if you're honest, you might be saying, Doug, I got to tell you, I'm like really furious right now because I feel like you just attacked who I am. You just brought up all these things in Galatians 5 and and 1 Corinthians 6 and, and I feel like you're attacking me because I struggle with some of these things or I am some of these things or I do some of these things. But look at what Paul says next in verse 11. He says, brings up all those things and he says, and that is what some of you were. That's what some of you were. Maybe there was a time you were those things. There was a time you did those things, but there's something you have to see. The things you struggle with do not define you. The things you struggle with do not define you. Don't let your struggles tell you who you are. Don't let them give you your identity. That's not who you are. God created you to be so much more. We are not what we wrestle with. We are not what we wrestle with. Sometimes we believe that. Well, I, I do this and I struggle with that, so it's just what I am. No, we are not what we wrestle with. May, maybe we wrestle with it, but that's not what we are. Well, who are we then? Well, look at what it says. It goes on, he says, but you, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And this is our hope. Jesus washed us, guys. He washed away our old identity. He washed away who we were and how we did things. As some of you here tonight might be saying, but Doug, I still feel like I'm in that. Like, I don't know how to change that. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. It's all about coming near to him and allowing him to tell us who we are and giving us the identity he's purchased for us. And the question is, how did Jesus wash us? Well, remember before I said that Judges is the second most shocking story in the Bible? Well, now let's talk about the first most shocking story in the Bible. You know what that is? It's Jesus hanging on a cross in your place. That's the most shocking story in all the scripture. The most shocking thing in all the Bible is God hanging on a cross for his creation. That's how he washed us. So think about it. God creates humanity. Humanity rebels. We're like, I'm going down this side of the mountain. God goes, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We go, I'm going anyway. And he says, okay, you've gone and you've gone and you've gone. And instead of just letting you go and giving up, wiping you out, I'll send my son to die in your place. Would you have done that for your creation? Would you have done that if you lovingly pieced life together and then that life rebelled against you and wanted nothing to do with you and threw the compass on the ground and smashed it? Would you have treated your creation in such a shocking and amazing way? Jesus washed us by dying for us. He sanctified us. That means he's making us more and more holy. He justified us. That means he made us right with God. He rose back from the dead. And what I need you to see tonight, guys, and this is, I pray, a game changer, man. I've been praying for you guys. This would be a game changer. Jesus' death on the cross breaks the power of all the things that try to tell us who we are. And so when we're sitting here going, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. God's going, I have so much better, but that's who I am. It's not who you are. In fact, let me say it this way. Because of Jesus, we're not who we used to be. We're different. We're new in him. And if you're not there yet, and you're like, I've never never put my trust in Jesus. I don't know what this is all about. That is available to you tonight to begin that relationship with him. What I need you to hear tonight, guys, is that the world doesn't tell us who we are. Jesus hanging on a cross in our place tells us who we are. That's how valuable you are. That's how loved you are. That's whose you are. You're a child of God now. And so, 
Don't sit back and think I'm attacking your identity or God's attacking your identity. No, he's trying to give you your identity. He's trying to tell you how loved you are, how beautiful you are, that you're made in his image, that he has designed you fearfully and wonderfully, that he has good for your life, that he wants to do good through you and in you. So because of all Jesus has done, now we go, God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to honor you with my life. And God, if I'm honest anyway, if I go down this side of the mountain, it always leads to brokenness and pain anyway. Our college retreat, we're going away in a few weeks, and Kevin and I were talking today about this hike we want to do in a mountain nearby. And apparently there's some really dangerous stuff because there's some, some cliffs and there's some spots where you, you have to stay on the path. And they were emphatic as we were talking about this whole idea of you know, going on this hike. You have to stay on the path. You have to make sure you don't veer off the path because it's deadly. And that's what God, his word, is trying to keep us on the path and off the path that is deadly. And so if there's anything I I hope will stick in your heart this week, it's this. Don't take your eyes off the compass. As you're trying to navigate life and as you're trying to figure things out and as you're influenced by the world around you, and and we all are, we all have those voices and people in our lives and and the the, the people we look up to and the rock stars and the social media and all all the stuff, all those loud voices trying to get our eye off the compass. Don't take your eye off the compass. Don't take your eye off God's word. And here's what we have to do. We have to go, okay, God, what does your word say about the anger in my life? What does your word say about the lust in my life? What does your word say about sleeping around? What does your word say about my sexuality? What does your word say about who you made me? And then we surrender. We surrender. We go, okay, I'm going to do this your way, God. I've been trying it my way, but, but today I'm deciding to do it your way because you love me because you're the creator, because you're the one behind all this design and all of this purpose. Some of you guys might be saying, Doug, again, this is why I don't like church, man. A guy like you gets up on stage, tells everybody what to do, and it just seems like maybe you're picking some stuff out on these lists here that you don't even struggle with, and so you can stand up there and tell everybody else what to do, but you're just kind of okay. Guys, I am on the list in Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6. My struggles are there just like yours were. So this is not about me getting up here and trying to tell anybody anything. I'm not also telling myself. And so as you try to work through a message like this, as you try to navigate all of this, I think what we need to do is, guys, is those of you who walked in the door with anger in your heart tonight, those of you who walked in the door with lust in your heart tonight, those of you who walked in the door with same-sex attraction tonight, those of you who walked in the door with fear tonight, those of you who walked in the door with a, a lying habit tonight, You and me, we all join shoulders and I bring my pride and I bring my jealousy and I bring my selfishness and we all walk to Jesus together. And we line our hearts up with his word. And we say, you know what? I'm not gonna try and figure this out for myself. I'm just gonna surrender to what the the creator knows is good. What he knows will lead to life. And guys, for some of this, this is like, we're talking new identity, man. We're talking about 180 from the way that we were going. But that's what God does. And you don't have to do it alone. Because we'll walk with you. But more importantly, the Spirit will do the heavy lifting in your life. And so what do you need to line up? What in your heart have you maybe been trying to make yourself the compass on? What do you need to begin to say, okay, these things aren't who I am. I may struggle with them. I may be attracted to them. I may be drawn to them. But they are not me. We are not what we wrestle with. We are who God says that we are. And here's my prayer, guys. As I said earlier, I pray that conversations will come out of today. I've already had a few today. 
Some people who, who walked out of here going, you know, Doug, I, I don't really understand why that's in the Bible. I don't understand. How come that? How come God says this isn't okay? How come God says I can't aim my life at that? And, and I've had others, you know, and we've had some conversations today. Guys, let's have those conversations. That's what we want to come out of this. But we've got to look back to the compass. We've got to make sure we're not getting swept away by the world around us. You know, guys, I think of the Me Too movement, right? Why does the Me Too movement exist? Why is it necessary? Because for the past few decades, some people acted like there are no absolutes, like there are no truths. People just decided, you know, I'm going to treat that woman or that man like a piece of meat, and I just can. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. But think about it. This is so powerful. What's happened in the last year? So people have come together and said, wait a minute, you can't do that. That's bad. That's, that's not good. There are absolutes. You should have known not to violate that, right? So guys, we believe in a world of absolutes. It's just whose are they going to be? Who gets to determine the absolutes? I want to know what God's are. And you know what's interesting, guys? Had we kept our eyes on the compass, the Me Too movement wouldn't be necessary. Had we kept our eyes on the word of God, had our whole culture, had America followed God's ways in his word, women never would have been treated like pieces of meat in the first place. You know, there's two guys that come to our church. They were both sitting in here at the 930 service. And their full-time jobs, five days a week, 10-hour days sometimes, is going, tracking down, and rescuing kids out of the sex trade Kids from New York, kids from New Jersey, kids from Pennsylvania, kids taken from the Smith Haven Mall, kids taken down in the city. 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, I'll call them one time. Hey, man, what's up? Just, oh, dude, I'm out on a case right now. I can't talk. We're just about to get the 13-year-old girl from Pennsylvania bring her back home. That's what happens when everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Those guys' jobs wouldn't be necessary if we had kept our eyes on the compass all along. You don't do that to kids. You don't traffic kids. You don't turn them into pieces of meat. God would say that. And so we get our eyes back on the compass. We continue to say, all right, God, I'm going to surrender my heart. I'm going to surrender my ways. God, I feel like this is impossible. I feel like there's nothing I can do. Guys, that's exactly right because it's he who's going to do it in you and me. He's bigger than your habits. He's bigger than your temptations. He's bigger than your struggles. And guys, I'm telling you, man, if we will be bold, guys, and, and I got to tell you, this, this takes boldness. If I'm going to be real with you, and I've been embarrassed saying this at all the services today, and I got a little made fun of for even saying this, but... This is hard stuff. It's hard stuff to talk about. I mean, about six weeks ago, I'm, I'm woken up one morning, and I, I wake up, and I just feel like God is putting this on my heart, and I'm, like, fighting him. I'm like, God, I, I got to be honest. I, I don't really feel like talking about this in church because I, I love the people in my church, and some of them are newer to this, and some of them are maybe struggling with some of the stuff we're going to talk about, and I don't want to push anybody away from you. I want to draw people to you, but God just kept putting it on my heart. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to function, not just with truth, but with grace and truth. And I talked to the staff and said, guys, here's what I'm feeling. What do I do? And they're like, do what God's saying. And I pulled the elders and said, guys, I'm a little freaked out by this, but you know, I love the people in here, and I want to make sure we're pointing them in the right direction, and this is going to be a bold one. Go for it, man. Go for it. i got to be honest. I haven't slept much in the last six weeks, and i got to be honest, waking up this morning around 6.30 today, I'm not exaggerating by saying about a hundred times I've said out loud throughout this day, I don't want to preach this message. It's hard. It takes boldness. It takes surrender. It takes telling God, I care more about what you think than what anybody else thinks. I care more about 
the consequences that, that maybe you could use this message in somebody's life to rescue them from going down the wrong side of the mountain and falling off a path and dying than I do my own reputation or our church's reputation or what could happen to us. I'm telling you right now in our culture, in our world, if we don't in love, full of grace and truth, make sure we keep our eye on the compass and we stand up for those truths we find in the compass, then we're going to continue to veer off course and it's a scary place when everybody does what's right in their own eyes. I want my kids to grow up in a different world than I grew up. I want my grandkids to grow up in a different world than I've grown up in. And you know what? If we will here and now make the hard decision to surrender our lives, to surrender every air, to give them the access to everything, and say, all right, God, have your way, then we may not just honor God. We may not just be blessed in our own lives. We may just save our culture. Somebody once said, all it takes for things to fall apart is just when, when good people do nothing, right? I don't consider us good people. I consider us God's people, right? And so, in love, you say, no, we gotta do what Scripture's calling us to do. I love you. You're welcome here. You may think differently than I think about this. You may believe differently about this. This may have made you incredibly uncomfortable. You might not be even sure if you ever come back. I hope you do. And I hope we walk to Jesus together. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, you heard me talk about Jesus hanging on a cross in our place, dying in our place to rescue us, to wash us, to give us a new identity and make us his own. And some of you might say, but I don't see why I need that because I think I'm kind of okay how I am. And in fact, that's kind of like the real loud message in our world today. You are perfect just the way you are. You're perfect just the way you are. I don't know if you caught it, but about a month ago, Chris Pratt at the MTV Movie Awards got up on stage and he gave a speech when he received the award that kind of shocked everybody. He said, you know what, guys? The world's going to tell you that you're perfect just the way you are. He said, you're not. You're imperfect. And somebody gave their blood to rescue you and offer you a second chance. And I don't know if there's any better way I could say it than that. You and I need the grace of God all imperfect, all desperate for what he can do in our lives. If you want to put your trust in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. But if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, how do you need to line your heart back up with the compass? How do you need to start going his way instead of down that side of the mountain that may lead to a cliff that leads to death? He's got so much better for you and for me. So don't take your eyes off the compass. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful to you, Lord, that you love us enough to tell us the truth, even when we don't want to hear it sometimes. And we thank you for your word, God, that keeps us understanding how to navigate the difficulties of life and relationships and, and our own temptations and tendencies and the things we're drawn to. And God, we just thank you love us through that, God. I think there's not a person in this room you don't love. There's not a person in this room you don't want drawn closer to you tonight, God, and surrendering to you. I just pray you'll help us do that. So if you're here tonight, you just need to surrender something in your life that you know has been off. Would you just do that now? Would you just maybe have a conversation with God? God, I'm going to do things your way. And I'm going to surrender my own agenda. I'm going to surrender my own compass. I'm going to look back to your word. And I'm going to allow you to determine who I am and how I live. And God, just help me. I'm going to fall short. Pick me up when I fall. And empower me to live your way. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for this gift of salvation that you offer me, to wash me, to give me a new identity, to make me holy, to make me right with you, God. I don't deserve this, but this is what you have done. This is how you have treated me. So God, show me 
what it is to follow you now. Forgive me for my sins. Be my Savior. Thank you for your incredible love for me. In your name I pray.